welcome to Starkville Church of God. This is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you, strengthens you, and fills you with God's love so you can share with others. Enjoy the message. It's a special privilege and an honor for me to be able to introduce to you a good friend of mine this morning uh, that's come all the way from North Carolina. We grew up together, our home church, Thorn Church of God, and uh, so glad to have him and glad to have his daughter, Ashley, and glad to have one of his sons. Uh, We call him Big C. You can call him Caleb. He's a ladies' man. He's single, ready to mingle, you know, so... Had to give him a little bit of a hard time there, but I'm so glad that they could be with us this morning. I'm thankful for Dalen and his friendship over the years. He's the pastor at the Farmington Heights Church of God in Wilson, North Carolina, and I believe he's got a, I told him, as, as I do, listen, I'm thankful. Thank you for honoring us as pastors, uh, but we'll, we'll get up in the Family Life Center Wednesday night. We'll cut up and carry on, but for Sunday morning, I know, I know there's people that's coming in, so thank you for recognition, but my my thoughts on pastor appreciation has always been the best thing you can do is let's just get in here and have church on Sunday. So I told him to come with a message. So would you welcome Pastor Dalen Mooneyham? He's been with us before on a Sunday night, but it's been a little while. Thankful that he's here. If you appreciate your pastors one more time, why don't you just give them a big hand of appreciation? What an honor to be here this morning. It's an honor to be able to feel the presence of the Lord. He's good to us, isn't he? He's always faithful. Even when there have been times in our life when we weren't faithful, God's always faithful. And it is a truly delight of mine to be able to come and be a, be a blessing, hopefully, and also to be blessed by being in the presence of so many who I love and appreciate so very much. I just want to take this opportunity to say, Sister Anderson, it is so good to see you this morning. Uh, Hank and Sister Anderson, Linda, have always been a special friends of ours, um, very instrumental in our developing years as ministers and even pastors now serving with, with Dennis and just appreciate their children and the work that they're doing. And to see God's hand in all of our life is such a blessing, isn't it? Just give me, indulge me just for a moment to fellowship And it's so good to to be with Joel and his family. Uh, What an honor to be able to be here. Uh, You guys are are tremendously blessed to have this team to lead you right here in the Starkville area. I I believe that great things are ahead for Starkville Church of God. I, I, I just envision and believe that this house is getting ready to take off like never before and see many souls saved right here on the end, I believe, of this grace dispensation of time. I believe Jesus is soon to return. And I believe God's given us a work to do. And I believe God strategically placed Pastor Dennis and Joel here Uh, for such a time as this to see God do a tremendous work in these last days. Well, as Dennis already said, we grew up together, and I was thinking, Dennis, I asked him, I said, Dennis, what is it that you want me to do? How's the service going to go? He said, just preach. I just want you to preach. I said, I can't roast you or anything like that, tell some stories. And I I I told a fact, I told you, I believe it was yesterday, the bishop was over at the visitation for um, Pastor Stockton and and uh, they asked me you know, what I was here for, and I said, well, I'm preaching Dennis's 
Pastor Appreciation Day, and he's like, are you sure you, you got a lot of good things? I said, listen, I said, I've got a whole lot of bad things to say and a few good things to say. So I don't know if you want me to start with the good things or the bad things. No, I'm, I'm telling you, I love Dennis and love Jamie and this family of his. I tell you, I'm thankful for these girls because I don't know where Dennis would be today without Jamie and these girls. And I hate to tell you this, Jamie, uh, Dennis, but these girls make you. I want you to know that. And they're a whole lot better looking than you. And uh, we, we appreciate the talents and the gifts that God has imparted in this family. And again, the great things are in store for this church and this community. Uh, without any further delay, let me dive right into the word of the Lord this, this morning. And if you would turn with me, I'm going to be reading from a couple of dis different passages. In fact, I'm going to be looking at Psalms 23 on the end. And, and then, um, first of all, I'm going to just talk about a story from 2 Chronicles chapter 20 that I've referred to uh, many times because I feel like this in this hour that we're living, I feel like this is a faith builder. I, I feel like this is, is something that we can glean from that, that scriptures can build our faith. We're living in some turbulent times, some divided times, some unpredictable times. We're living in some times where we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what uh, uh, next week holds, but we do know the God that holds the future and holds the world and holds our life in the palm of his hand. And so when I look at the scripture from Jehoshaphat, I'm reminded of the way in which God is so faithful to those that call on him. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to stand with me one more time and let's begin reading with verse 1 of chapter 20 of 2 Chronicles. It said, it happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and, and others with the, besides the Amorites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. And it says, Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Tamar, and which is in Engedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and to proclaim a fast throughout all of Judah. So Judah gathered the Bible, said together, um, and it goes on to say, And asked help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Ju Judah they came to seek the the Lord. Father, add your blessings to the reading of your word, and Father, we'll be careful to give you all of the praise and all of the honor and all of the glory. And the church said, Amen. You may be seated. When I think about a valley, and if I had to title this message, I was kind of torn between this thought, take charge or praise in the valley. You could literally go either way. When I think about a valley, a valley is a low area of land between hills and mountains, typically with a river or streams flowing through it. As long as you live on this side of heaven, as long as you live on, on, on this side of heaven, you're going to have uh, ups and downs. You're going to have hills that you've got to climb, and you're going to, have, you're going to have to go through some valleys that you never thought that you would have to go through. In fact, life is a series of mountain peaks and valleys, uh, a great peak experiences and times of testing and trial. But while we all wish that life is just simply on 
only the mountaintop experiences. We know that we must pass through some valleys in life. One of the ways in which new Christians are misled in our modern-day theology is that they're convinced if they ever call on Jesus and they ask Jesus into their hearts, then they'll never have any more problems. They'll never have any more difficulties and trials. But the Bible says man that is born of a woman is just a few days, and, and they're just full of trouble. So all around us is, you, you know, we're going to face some mountaintops, and we're going to face some valleys. And the Bible often describes tough times like this. He talks, the Bible talks about valleys that one must face. David faced Goliath in the valley of Elah in 1 Samuel chapter 17. He also wrote about the valley and a place called in Psalms 23, the valley of the shadow of death. Asaph described the valley of Becca in Psalms 84. It was Ezekiel saw who saw the spiritual desolation of Israel in his vision of the valley of dry bones in Ezekiel 37 in verse 1. In Revelation 16, the Bible talks about that last human war, the battle of the Armageddon, and it's the valley of decision, the valley of Jehoshaphat. Isaiah described the Messianic age as a time when every valley shall be raised up. The challenge of faith is to turn every valley into a valley of praise because if you live long enough, you will go through some valleys. You will face some difficult times in your life. You will wake up some days and there will be a storm that just comes out of nowhere that you didn't see that was coming. It kicked catches you by surprise. You're off guard. It catches you off guard, and you're like, I didn't see this coming. This is called life, and this is what the Old Testament King Jehoshaphat, he learned to do in the day that he received some bad news. In fact, when you look at this passage of Scripture, you understand that King Jehoshaphat, he received bad news that there were three armies in an allied coalition who had set their sights on destroying Jerusalem. The armies were marching up from the south to set up an offensive attack against the city. And when you look at this passage, it seemed like there was no hope for King Jehoshaphat and those that are in Judah. And, and we have some spiritual lessons here that we can learn from this passage is because the reality is we face enemies as well. Now, we may not face these types of enemies and hardships, but the reality is this. We face difficult situations. And before I go any further, I'd like to introduce you to a man by the name of Jehoshaphat, because you might uh, be wondering, who, who is Jehoshaphat? Well, uh, when, I, when I look at Scripture and, and I begin to research who he is, his, his name means Jehovah has judged. He was a, a descendant of, of David, the Bible says. 
who reigned over Judah from 872 to 848 B.C. His father, Asa, reigned as a righteous king, bringing much-needed spiritual reform to Judah, including such an act as removing high places and foreign altars and calling the people back to obedience with God. He even removed his grandmother. Now, he meant business because he removed his grandmother uh, and in fact, the Bible t at the um, Asherah pole. Unfortunately, though, in his latter years, in his last years, he acted rather foolishly by making a treaty with the king of Syria instead of trusting in God. And the result of that was war. Now, all, all of us that are sitting in this room this morning have made bad decisions. Are you with me this morning? All of us have made decisions that we could wish that we could look back and do differently. But I'm thankful that we have a merciful God in heaven who loves us unconditional that says, even though you make bad decisions, I'll take what the enemy has meant for bad and evil, and I'll turn it around for my glory. And so for King Jehoshaphat, he makes a foolish decision which resulted in war. In fact, Jehoshaphat began ruling along with his father. He was about 35 years of age. He walked upright before God, and God was with him. He commissioned the Levites to go throughout the town of Judah, teaching the word of God to establish the kingdom and and to, to, to make sure that this land that he was ruling over had much peace and prosperity. And because of that, God blessed him. He, when he returned to his palace, though, he, he, we understand that he allied with a wicked Israeli king, Ahab. And through marriage and, and, and with him on the battlefield there at Gilead against the Syrians, there were some things that transpired in Jehoshaphat's life because of his bad decisions that when he returned back to his palace, all of a sudden he was rebuked by Jehu, the seer, for assisting Ahab. In spite of his bad judgment, though, Jehoshaphat, he said, you know, I may have made some bad decisions. I may have gone down the wrong road periodically, but I'm going to set my face back in the direction of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to take my bad decisions and I'm going to begin to run after God like I've never run after God. And in spite of his, his better judgment, Jehoshaphat, he began to turn back and seek God and all began to be blessed in the house of Jehoshaphat. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was immensely blessed. It was a time of peace. It was a time of prosperity. God began to bless. God began to reward them. How many knows that those that, that serve God, he rewards those that diligently seek the Lord? And so Jehoshaphat, yeah, he made some bad decisions. Yeah, Jehoshaphat shouldn't have done some things that he did by allying with Ahab, but, but he did. And he gets back in that connection with God, and he says, listen, we're going to seek God. And God began to bless. God began to let prosperity be evident in the land of Judah. But then all of a sudden, 
bad news came. All of a sudden, on the heels of all the prosperity and all of the blessings, bad news came to Jehoshaphat. In fact, this allowed Jehoshaphat to be in a panic and a predicament. In fact, this is, leads me to my first point. In, in, the, in, in our text that we read in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we read here that uh, Jehoshaphat and, and those in Judah were in a predicament. They had experienced a tremendous panic. And why you, you say that, Pastor? Because there was overwhelming odds that were against them. Israel faced three armies, not one, not two, but three armies Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, they were all marching up from the south. And all of a sudden, Jehoshaphat realized that we're outnumbered. They realized that we can't go, we, we, there's no way within our own abilities that we're going to, to be able to fight the enemy and face these giants and face these three armies that are coming. Now, we're living in a time where many of you have been in this time in your life, perhaps. Either you are in a storm, you've come out of a storm, or you're getting ready to go in a storm. And when the enemy comes at you, there's this thing called fear that would like to, to present itself to you and cause you to be full of anxieties and full of doubt, full of anxiousness, full of fear. And, and all of us wrestle these feelings. And there could be those that are in here this morning that you've been experiencing experiencing fear and doubt and, and, and anxiety. Well, this is where Jehoshaphat was. Jehoshaphat said, I've got the enemy coming against me, not just one enemy, but three coming against me, and I do not know what to do. And I don't know about you, but I've been there before in my life. But I'm thankful that I've got a good shepherd in the Lord Jesus Christ, who's my Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And for you, I know that you're thankful you got a shepherd like Pastor Dennis and, and Pastor Joel that will help you when the enemy's coming at you to point you to the cross of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for our earthly shepherd, but I'm thankful for my heavenly shepherd that never leads me or leaves me, and he never, he never deserts me, and I'm thankful for that. And, and Jehoshaphat, he finds himself in a predicament. He finds him, himself in a panic. He finds himself in a place where the fear had gripped his heart. And when you look at this word fear, it is an unpleasant emotion caused by being aware of danger. Feeling of being afraid. Fear and panic within. Uh, the blessings of God that he's bestowed of, upon all of our life, they, they do not exempt us from the adversities of life because I don't care you can be a child of God. You can be serving God for 50 years, but you're not exempt from the attack of the enemy. As long as you got breath in your body, the enemy's going to work overtime on your life. He does not care about you. He hates you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to devour you. In fact, the Bible tells us he goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. 
devour, but I'm reminded that greater is he that is within me than he that is in this world, and I'm reminded that no weapon that is formed against me that's just going to prosper. Why? Because I've got he who was raised from the dead, who's seated at the right hand of the heavenly Father. He lives right here inside of my life, and let the storms come. Let the winds blow. Let the fights of the enemy start raging. I'm going to trust in the Lord with all of my heart. I'm going to lean not to my own understanding, but I'm going to acknowledge him in all of my life, and he's going to direct my path. If you believe it, why don't you give the Lord the biggest hand clap of praise this morning? The reality is this, fear and panic is going to come. And Jehoshaphat was in a bad predicament. In fact, he allowed the fear to grip his heart, but it didn't stop him. This, this panic and this predicament caused him to do something that if we'll do today, if we'll do in this hour, then we can find the hand of God moving in our life and in our situation. And that is this. He goes from the panic and the predicament, and all of a sudden he shifts to this thing called prayer. He began to pray, and he experienced a prophecy. In fact, if you'll turn with me to verse 3 there, I want to begin reading in verse 3. The Bible says, and Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of the land of Judah. So Judah gathered together and asked help from the Lord and from the cities of Judah that they came to seek the Lord. Now, I am so overwhelmingly thankful that I have a God that hears every prayer that I pray. And I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. I'm just going to preach and teach like I'm I'm here at my home church in North Carolina and tell you, I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but there could be someone that walked in here on Pastor Appreciation Day and you feel like that you've been praying and it's just been bouncing off the wall and coming right back down. You may just feel like that God's not hearing your prayer. You may be feeling like you've just continuously prayed and nothing happens. It's happening. But I want to remind you this morning that God hears every prayer that you pray. God knows every word, every prayer prayer. And the Bible tells us in Revelation that your prayers are veiled up. And keep on praying when you hadn't felt like the answers come. You keep on praying. You keep on knocking. You keep on believing. You keep on trusting because the Bible said the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman of God, it avails much. And so here's what Jehoshaphat does. Jehoshaphat, he begins to turn to prayer. And he begins to pray. And this prayer is worth learning. And in fact, when you go to verse 5, there's something that Jehoshaphat begins to do. He begins to rehearse the history of faith. He, he says there in verse 5, Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem and in the house of the Lord before the new, the, the new courts and said, O Lord, God our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nation? And in your hands is there not power and might so that no, no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of the land before your people Israel and gave the descendants of Abraham your friends forever? All of a sudden you see Jehoshaphat. He's, he's under 
uh, an attack. I mean, the enemy's uh, coming against him. He's experiencing overwhelming odds, and, and he's experienced the, the dangers of being defeated, and fear and panic has gripped his heart. But, but all of a sudden, Jehoshaphat says, you know what? We are, we're in a bad place. We're in a bad predicament. The odds are against us, but I serve a God in heaven that I recall who he is. His name is Jehovah Jireh. He's the one that's provided for Abraham. He's the one that's provided for my forefathers, and I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe in who I've placed my trust in. He began to re rehearse history. He said, if God be for me, who can be against me? I'm going to trust in the hand of Almighty God. And so here's what he does. He begins to recall the goodness of God. When you get to verse 7 and verse 9, he remembered the promises of God. Now, in God, you will find that in Scripture, there are over 32,000 promises that you can find in the Word of God. Somebody shout, wow. Now, that means that if you're a child of God and you name the name of Jesus, you've got promises to stand on. You don't have to stand on your fear. You don't have to stand on your anxiety. You don't have to stand on your panic and on all of that would come against you. No, you stand on the Word of God and the promises of God. And the Bible tells us that in His promises are yes and amen. He said, remember the promises of God in the time of crisis. And when he gets to verse 7 through 9, he, all of a sudden he begins to uh, receive cite Solomon's dedication, uh, his prayer there in the temple. And he says in verse 12, he says, rely on what God can do and not what you can do. Let's read that together and see exactly what he's saying. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you." Listen, Jehoshaphat was saying, Sister Linda, I don't know if I, what's going to happen tomorrow because these enemies look like they're going to destroy us and we're the odds are against us. But what I'm trying to do, Jehoshaphat says, is I'm trying to point our attention not to the enemy out there. I'm trying to point our attention to God who spoke this world into existence, who picked up out of the dirt of the earth and began to create human into his own image and the Bible said he breathed into man in the nostrils of man life so he's given us life and Jehoshaphat why not trust in the God of this universe why not trust in the God who's the maker of all things yes the enemy's against us but if God be for us then there's no enemy in Moab there's no enemy out there in Gilead there's no enemy in the Amorite that can destroy us because we have God on our side. And if God's on our side, let all enemies be scattered. So I look at this passage, and I don't know how much time that I've got left. I got at least 10 minutes. Give me 10 minutes. The Bible says that he prays this prayer in this time of crisis and he points to God and he, he says, listen, why don't we just rely on God because God can do what we can't do. 
And how many's found that to be true in, in your life? You found that, the, that, that, that there's just things that we're incapable of doing. There's things that we're just insufficient in. But God is a God who is omniscient. He is a God who is omnipotent. He is a God that's omnipresent, and he can do everything and anything that we have need of. That's the kind of God that we serve. So he says, don't rely on what you cannot do. Just rely on what God can do. And then here comes the prophecy. And it, this is what was proclaimed in verse 14. And I'm going to read this. It says, then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. Now, in verse 15, there was a threefold admonition when they had prayed when they recalled on the things that God had done, and when they looked to God who was the author and the finisher of their faith, when they believed in the good shepherd, they all of a sudden found God presenting hope in the midst of hopelessness. They all of a sudden found a God who that, that, that was there that was in the midst of the battle, who was there that was going to fight for them. All of a sudden, there was a threefold admonition that took place. Verse 15, the Bible says, after the Spirit of the Lord had come upon Jehaziel, the Bible says the, the word of the God came forth and said, fear not, the battle is not yours, but it's God. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? There's just times in your life that you just got to, to say, listen, the battle is not mine. It's yours. The giant's too big. The storm's too wide. The valley's too deep. The mountain's too hard to climb. Lord, I just give it to you. Why can't we just give our struggles and our battles and our anxieties to the Lord? After all, he cares for us. Amen. He came and he died for you to, to give you this strength, to give you this help. And, and here's what the threefold admonition said. Fear not. The battle is not yours, but it's God. And then in verse 17, it says, stand firm and see the deliverance of the Lord that he's going to give you. Go out and face the enemy. Verse 17 basically says this. Go take charge. Go and go ahead and take charge. Go ahead and step up. Face the, the enemy that's coming your way. Face the darkness of the enemy. The prophecy received Jehoshaphat. Here's what he did in verse 18. He bowed his face to the ground and he began to worship the Lord. And in fact, you, as you read the story, he, he began to praise God. He began to bless God. And, and we got to understand that praise is an act of faith in action. We too have to receive God's word by faith and act on it in order to see victory, which leads me to my last point. When you go down to verse 22, he'd already received the word that if you'll pray, if you'll just let faith arise, all of a sudden you're going to see the hand of God. And so as they begin to praise God, verse 22, the Bible tells us, it says here that, if I can find this, I got my son's Bible this morning. Now, when the, they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set an ambush against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. I want you to take notice here just a moment in closing. If I could get a pianist to come and play softly, the expression of faith 
The power of faith and the reward of faith is all found right here. He charged the worshipers to lead the army in the battle. They sang the song used in the dedication of the temple. The result is the entrance into God's glory because, listen, you cannot experience God's glory unless you enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. I want you to understand this. If you want to see a victory, there must be praise that precedes provision. If you want to see a breakthrough and you want to experience a, a healing, you want to experience a defeat of the enemy, praise always proceeds the provision. So it's important to note the shifting here that takes place. Here Jehoshaphat, he bowed his, himself to the ground. He began to pray and seek God and then he called on the musicians to come. He says, come on boys, get up here. He says, let's go. If we're, if we're going to take care of this enemy, we got to do it the right way. We got to get out here and get our musicians. We got to get our singers in tune. And these musicians and these singers are about to, to sing praises unto Jehovah. And we're about to march out into battle. And even though this enemy's coming against us, we believe that we don't have to do anything. All we got to do is lift up holy hands. All we got to do is praise God. He, all that we have to do is exalt his name. And the Bible says this. After he appointed singers and worships, worshipers and musicians, all of a sudden the Bible says that there was an ambush that was set against the enemy. They killed themselves, turned on each other, killed each other. And God brought a provision that supernaturally moved in their life in an unprecedented way. In fact, as you read the conclusion of the story, the Bible tells us that they, they gathered the spoils for three days because the, the enemy were def, was defeated. The enemies were, were destroyed because of the, the provision of Almighty God. Now, I want to tell somebody that God, this good shepherd, he's more than enough. I, I'm talking to you in closing this morning to tell you that our good shepherd is more than enough. Look at somebody and say he's more than enough. When you look at what Jehoshaphat does, he sends these singers and worshipers out to magnify God and it reminds us that your praise is your battle cry. And if the enemy can rob you and steal you of your praise, then he can send anxieties and fear to grip your heart to cause you to cower into a trench somewhere, just like Saul. But Saul, in the scriptures, we're reminded that Saul says, listen, I, I'm not going to cower into a trench and be frightful over this Goliath, but I'm going to step out of this, this on, I'm going to step out against this giant in faith, and I'm going to believe God that he's going to give me the ability to defeat this giant. And the Bible tells us he defeated that giant because he did not cower in a trench like Saul did. There's some of you that could be going through some things in your life, experiencing some valleys, experiencing some hard times, and just be reminded today that God's got you exactly in the same hand that he had Jehoshaphat in. The same place that he had the psalmist David in. And I conclude this morning in Psalms, um, Psalms 23. 
Here's what he said. David was in a valley just like Jehoshaphat. David was in a low place. David was in a, a place where he didn't know which way to go. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know how to get out of the situation. And the Bible tells us that here's what David did. He was reminded that the Lord was his shepherd. You know what that means? That he's my everything. And then he says, I shall not want. In other words, I shall lack nothing. Even when the enemy's coming out to get me, even when the storms of life, they're blowing, even when the storms of life are overwhelmingly coming against me like Jehoshaphat and Judah had the armies coming against them, David said, he said, I shall not want because the Lord is right there by my side. Yes, I'm walking through this valley. Yes, I'm going through this trial. Yes, I'm facing these hardships. Yes, I'm, I don't understand why life has thrown this curveball to me. David said he's my shepherd. In the midst of it all, I'm going to trust him. In the midst of it all, I'm going to depend on him. He said, I shall not want anything. He says, he lays me down by the green pastures. These green pastures are, are symbolic to the, the way in which God feeds us. Uh, and, and even when we're going through some hardships, he says, listen, come over here and eat in this pasture that I've uh, laid here and designed for you to feast upon. And he says, I want to lead you beside the still water. I want to give you some still water because see, sheep could not drink in streams that were flowing because of the fear and the panic. They were always fearful because they, if they if they got too close to the, the stream or the body of water, the sheep felt like they would fall in and they would drown because of their fur is so heavy and they would not be able to, to drown or swim. And so the, the Bible tells us that the shepherd led them to that, that stream of clear, still waters. And even in our, our, our fears, even in our panic, God leads us to those places of refreshing. And then David said, and I love this. I'm going to skip on real quick because I'm about to end. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Here's what he says. I will fear no evil. Why did David say that? Why did David say, I, I don't have to fear? Why did David say, you don't have to fret. Why did David say, if I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear no evil because, listen, David did not write this Psalms and say, yea, though I walk through the valley of death. He said, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He said, so therefore, even though I'm going through a low place, even though I'm going through a valley and mountains are around me, enemies are encamped around about me. They cannot touch me. Their shadow may be around me. I may walk through their shadow, but the devil is not going to destroy me because my good shepherd is there to lead me and guide me and protect me and over, over, overshadow me. And this morning, I want to tell you this morning in this past appreciation day, God is the good shepherd who leads us through every valley, who leads us through every moment of difficulty. And I want to remind you of the goodness and the mercies of God. And then David said, we'll skip down to the end, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life. 
Would you stand with me this morning? Now think about it. Start for Church of God. Think about this. Goodness and mercy follows us all of the days of our life. All the days. So when those valleys, those enemies, those armies like Jehoshaphat had coming against them, as long as you look to him, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, I promise you, goodness and mercies right behind you. Amen. I said goodness and mercy is right behind you. Would you lift those hands up right there where you are and just extend them to heaven and say, Lord, thank you for goodness and mercy. Thank you for goodness and mercy. They follow us all the days of our life. God, goodness and mercy is there to restore our soul. And the Bible tells us in Psalms 23 that, yea, though I walk through that valley, I'm going to fear no evil because you're with me, God. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. Lord, you prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. But God, our cup runs over. And, and because of that, goodness and mercy, it follows us all of the days of our life. And one day we're going to dwell in the house of the Lord for a time of perpetual residence in the presence of Almighty God to spend eternity in your presence. Father, bless these precious people today. God, anoint them, use them, clothe them in your presence. If there's one walking, God, through the valley, if there's one lost in the house this morning, God, let your Spirit of God draw them and lead them and love them today in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm not sure how much time I've got, but listen quickly. I want to tell you, God loves you. God loves you with an everlasting love. If you're here under the sound of my voice and you say, Pastor Dalen, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If that's you, all you have to do is raise that hand high. Anyone this morning? I want to ask you to pray this prayer after me. Would you do that? Say, Father God, forgive me of my sins. God, wash me of my sins. Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. Help me, Jesus, to live for you, to serve you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, if you prayed that prayer, don't leave without talking to one of your pastors this morning. And here's how I'm concluding the service, if it's all right with you. There could be someone this morning that you're walking through a valley, that you're in a valley, and you feel like the enemy stole, stolen your praise, stolen your worship, and tried to bombard your faith. They're going to begin to sing. And if you're here, you want special prayer. I know we have another service in just a few moments. But if, you've, if you'd like prayer this morning, this altar here is open. So I want you to come, and I want to meet you, and I want to pray for you, and I want to ask God to touch your life this morning in a very special way. Anyone this morning, as they begin to sing. Thanks for listening to our podcast. To find out more about us, follow us on social media at StarkvilleCOG. Special thanks to those who generously support this ministry. If you would like to give, visit us at StarkvilleCOG.com forward slash give. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.